This is the Archives Podcast. Marina, go ahead and tell me uh, where you were born. Okay, I was born in Los Angeles, California. And the reason that we moved to El Paso was because my mom's health. She had problems with her breathing, I guess. She had um, asthma. And her doctor recommended that she would move to a drier climate. She grew up a good part of her life here in El Paso. So this is where we came. My brother, myself, my dad, and, and my mom, of course. How was your upbringing? What was your relationship with your parents? Okay, so basically we had a very good upbringing. We had, you know, moral standards. My, my parents were strict. My mom was very strict with us, actually. Um, I have a brother that's older than me, and I have a sister that's younger than me, so I fall in the middle. And um, like I said earlier, we had, a, we had a very good upbringing. Our parents were both hard workers and that's something that they instilled in all of us. What kind of uh, religion did you guys grow up with or did you have any? Yes, we were pretty much devout Catholics. And when I say devout, I mean, we're at church, like, you know, on every Sunday morning, like clockwork, communion, uh, confession. My brother went to Catholic school. I went to Catholic school. My sister did also. And so we were always involved in the Catholic Church. My mom ran the kitchen on Sundays, and we were there for every kermes. Those of you that were raised Catholic, you know, we were at every function raising money for the church. And so do you consider yourself uh, to be a good kid at that, at that point in your life? Yes, I don't want to toot my horn, but like my brother was the oldest, and so he was very spoiled. He would get everything he wanted or everything that he would manipulate my parents out of because he was older is what I felt. And then my younger sister did the same. She got everything because she was the baby. And so I was kind of in the middle and I would see how inconsiderate actually my brother and my sister were with my parents. And that was something that I, that I frowned on. And so I guess if you say that, that I would consider myself, you know, a pretty good kid, I, I guess I did because I took my parents' feelings into account. I want to talk about the years that you actually were going to Catholic school. Okay, so I went to elementary in the public school. And then I went to my, my during my junior high, actually was spent in a Catholic school, St. Joe's. And so, I mean, it was fun. It was okay. You know, um, it was, it was strict. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and I, and I, Actually, my sixth grade teacher that was in public school became my seventh and eighth grade principal. So I had a lot of favor with him. If and when I would get in trouble for being silly in the halls, they would send me to his office. And I literally got away with murder with him. He was a very good friend of ours in the sixth grade. And so he continued to be in the seventh and eighth grade. And those years pretty much flew by. Tell me about this this mindset that you started to develop during these years. Um, what was your, your state of mind at this point? So I think that, I don't know, with anybody and everybody, girls that I talk to now or I work with, you know, seventh and eighth grade, 
are awkward years. I'm talking for girls. I'm thinking because now you're no longer a child. Consider yourself a child, and but you're not yet a grown up, you know, or, or somebody that's of age 17, 18. So you you are starting to develop your own personality, your own way of being. But of course, you can't develop your own personality because you want to be like everybody else. But I was the fish that flew that 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 swam against the current. <laughs> My sister was a fashion plate. My sister had a really nice body. She was beautiful. And, and I was not. I was the, the gawky, ugly duckling is what I consider. The, I, I, I call those years the ugly duckling years. <laughs> I didn't care what I wore. You know, um, if I liked it, I wore it. That was my style. And if you didn't like it, too bad too bad and my sister was always into st- into the style and I was not I guess so during that time is when I when you start developing your own personalities when you start try to f- try to find yourself is what is what people call it and so I didn't really fall into any category you know I wasn't um, heavily athletic I, I did join you know track and basketball but I wasn't really involved in the heavy athletics I wasn't a fashion plate like my sister like I said um so I was just trying to find my myself here. So I ended up actually starting to follow the wrong crowd. Even though we don't want to do the things that we say our, our older siblings do, you say, no, I'm not going to do that. But you do end up doing some of those things. Um, I started coming against rebellion and authority. And also people that appear to have it all together. I, I think maybe I just develop maybe a jealousy or a disdain to people. And that's basically when I would stay away from people. Um, I would develop close bonds with, again, the wrong crowd and stay away from those that maybe would have influenced me in a different direction. You're in ninth grade at this point, And what's, what's your relationship with your parents? Well, actually, that's, I think that's a, a milestone that I reached where I was very considerate of my parents. That's what I think, that's when I think that things started to shift. My parents, my mom, actually, my mom was the, the stricter one between my, my dad and her. She was very strict with us, um, didn't let us go out to parties, didn't let us hang around with our friends, um, very, very strict. And so I think that's when I started doing things behind her back. I figured she's not going to let me do it. Everybody else is doing it. I'm the only oddball out. And so that's when I started to come against my mom's authority, doing things that I shouldn't do. Were your parents still uh, going to church at this point? They still had relationship like with the priests. They you know, had them over and, and they had a very good relationship with them. But I think that their spirituality maybe started to waver a bit. And this is a time that I had met somebody there in the Catholic church, you know, um, where I should have been right on Sunday, listening to the word of God, of course, but I was checking out people. And I started hanging out actually, or getting, you know, this, this young man started getting my number. He was older than me. He was much older than me. He found out about my Uh, homecoming and he wanted to take me and he actually asked my mom he knew that my mom worked the kitchen and all and he asked hey can I take your daughter to the homecoming she knew he was older 
but she said yes she said yes so he ended up getting me a corsage and we went to homecoming did he go to the same school as you no he was much older he had already graduated he'd already graduated and so needless to say you know this put me in a very compromising place you know after the homecoming he wanted to go have something to eat he didn't want to even stick around and this is where I see, you know, God's grace upon my life because things started to get pretty hot pretty quick, you know, and only by the grace of God was he able to get me out of that situation with this guy. Why do you think that your mom even allowed you to go with him? I think it's because she thought that, you know, he has a car, he's responsible, he's very respectable. But the the side story is this, And this is something that I did not know. If I knew this, there was no way that I would have gone with this guy. Is that I found out that he was a stripper. So he was a student, I guess, by day in college. But he was a stripper at night. So, you know, you could tell, you know, I was a young girl, an impressionable girl. I had no idea. No idea. So also, this is about the time that I started to test the waters. I figure... You know, you can get out of one sticky situation, you can do it again. And so I made a friend in in high school, um, 10th, 11th grade, and she was a very good friend of mine. Um, She had dropped out of her school, they'd taken her out of her school, she went to Bowie and they moved her to Burgess because she was always getting beat up over there, so her family moved her to Burgess. And even though she would try to teach me moral standards, she was the one that also got me involved in hitchhiking. So we would leave school and we would hitchhike, you know, to the mall, hitchhike um, to different places, you know, not it, within the time that we were in school. We would leave early, we would hitchhike and, you know, we had to still be back, you know, because we still had a, a facade to play for our parents, you know, for high school. But this is this is what we did. Um, I started um smoking more getting involved in drugs and I have no one to blame but myself this is a time that I started exercising my freedoms my liberties things that my parents would never have allowed in fact they didn't even know that I was doing these things behind their back I do want to take a step back and talk about um one time during your ninth ninth grade year that you actually went to church and it wasn't the catholic church Can you tell me about that experience? Yes. So I'm sure that some of the older saints will remember a young man by the name of Jaime Esparza. He was a friend of our family somehow, and he'd been asking and asking my mom if he could take me to church. And um, my mom would always say no. She always resisted. But at one week moment, she finally said, okay, okay, I'll let you take her, but only one time. He was also a little bit older than me. And she did trust him. He was a friend of our families. And so... I went to the church and it was, I think, La Puerta. That's what it was called, La Puerta. That was in the ninth grade. And I do remember telling my sister, this is a place that you go into and you come out different. You go in one way and come out different. I couldn't explain that all to her, but I said, I think they brainwash her, brainwash people. (laughs) And so I told her, if I come back acting crazy, I want you to slap me out of it, do something, because it was so radical the changes in people's lives. I knew people that were living a certain life and then they started going to church, to this church, and then they became something different. So I knew the only thing that could possibly be the answer to their change was this church. And what stood out to you? The song service. 
And the only word I could say now is it was anointed. It was anointed. It was very different. Uh, when they started singing, I literally, I knew that, that the presence of God was there. Though I can't, I couldn't tell you that then, but mm-hmm. I know it now that that's what it was. Is the Holy Spirit started to draw me then. Yeah. That's when the Holy Spirit started to draw me. And the only thing that freaked me out was when people started speaking in tongues. And I said, oh man, this, here it comes. <laughs> here comes the brainwashing. Here comes the brainwashing, yes. <laughs> so you just basically continued in your your same lifestyle, uh, pretty much experimenting more as you went, you know, through your high school years, right? Yes. I started, I started um, a program. Um, I think it's DECA. DECA allows you to work half the time of school, part of your day, and then the other half you work. It's a working program. And so I got a job working at FedMart, and that's where I met my friend Marty. She was a biker, and her boyfriend was a biker, of course. They were all bikers. And this is what introduced me to the next chapter in my life when I was starting to tread a little bit deeper and deeper into waters that, you know, were dangerous, risky, what people call now risky behavior. Um, my friend Marty introduced me to nightclubs, to bars. Uh, she got me a fake ID. Um, I was able to hang out with her much older, much, much older crowd. Um, and so uh, just all types of doors opened to me and it's, it was exciting. You know, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, you know, the first buzz, though I was scared. I was afraid to go home and smell like alcohol. You know, the first time I, you know, I started smoking pot, the first time I, you know, started smoking and, all of this became very exciting and I would look forward to it though. When I would go home, I was deathly afraid that I would get caught. So didn't you used to hang out with uh, somebody by the name of Karen Martinez during your, your sophomore year? Yes. Yes. So in comes Karen. So I met Karen in a sewing class in um, an elective and I remember Karen and her brother named Clark. Um, I rode the bus with Clark. Clark was my age. Karen is younger than I am. And so Clark used to ride the bus. And I remember when he was, before he was saved, he would get on the bus and he had a chain of hickeys around his neck. (laughs) (laughs) And so I thought, you know, this guy's nasty, you know, because I thought if you're going to get a hickey, make sure you you put it. Cover it up. Cover it up. Yeah. (laughs) It was okay for us to get hickeys, but just make sure it's not showing. And so this guy was a partier, him and Karen. They were they were uh, freaks. We used to have a, a street up in Burgess. I don't know if they still call it that, but we would go and smoke pot at this street, across the street from the high school called Freak Street. And there was Karen and there was Clark and there was I and, and all the other freaks. You yeah. Know? And so um, sometime after that, Karen came back to school and Clark and they were they were different they became they they left they left freak street and became jesus freaks <laughs> oh my <laughs> yes literally she gave her life to jesus and you see now i know the jargon i didn't know all of this the the, the what, what what was a jesus freak well it was somebody that would tell you about how you're a sinner and you need to uh, give your life to jesus and he wants to change your life you know he loves you and i had this drilled in me in uh, this class Every time I saw her, she would invite me to the concerts. And the funny thing is, Celeste, is that I would always tell her that I would go, but I never had intentions of going. 
Why did you feel the need to tell her that you were going to go? Because now I could put a word to it and it's just, it's just that it's conviction. When she would go and witness now at Freak Street, I would right away throw away my cigarette, put away my joint. I was not afraid, but I had a reverence to her life only because I knew that she had something that was very different and that was holy. Again, I couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on it, but I, I had a lot of respect for Karen. I had a lot of respect for her. One day, um, you know what, you know, when something happens in high school, it starts, you know, the, the gossip, the buzz, you know, and we heard that both Karen and Clark's mom died tragically, that she was, she was, she was killed tragically. And I say this with Karen's permission, you know, in um, regards to uh, her mom's passing and and the details that were coming out of that were so tragic that it got me to think, you know, it got me to think of, you know, how, you know, how, how did this happen? And now what's going to happen between Karen and her, and her Jesus, you know, um, how can somebody go through something like this? So tragic. It was just so hard for everybody to imagine. It was, it was just, it was heart, heartbreaking and everybody, everybody, there was no one in the school that did not know about this. And when I saw Karen the next time, nothing changed. Her faith, her convictions never wavered. I never saw a difference in, in her. On the contrary, I saw her continue to serve her God. You see, my God was the God that would allow me to go to, um, to like, you know, to go and live a life of sin as long as I was, in confession on Saturday and I was in church on Sunday and then the rest of the week, you know, I could live like the devil, you know, but Karen and Clark's Jesus, um, was, was asking, we had a higher bar and that was the bar that was raised to not perfection, but with the conviction of you living a different lifestyle. And that's, that's what really got me was that it left a lasting impression that, that Karen's Jesus was was a big God in order to be able to bring about the comfort that she needed to get through that difficult time. You didn't feel the need to surrender your life to Jesus at this point? No, but she told me when I did finally come to, she said, did you ever intend to come to church? And I said, no. And she goes, why did you tell me yes? And I said, because I had a deep respect for you, because I knew that there was something different. And then, okay, so this is a time that I was um, actually in a, in, a, in a bad relationship, uh, a young a guy that I met through Marty. And so, you know, I was into that, that, the biker scene. And so, you know, I liked all the bad boys. So um, I ended up, I ended up um, leaving my mom's home because my mom was of the school of you follow my rules and if you don't like them there's the, there's the door and so this was constant you know this was a constant thing you know that if we weren't going to be living our lives like we should live under her roof then we needed to leave and so one day I called her on her bluff and I actually got on a greyhound and I took off to California on, in my senior year in my senior year and so um 
my brother was living in Los Angeles at that time. And he told me, just come over here. So I said, okay. And he told me, when you get on the bus, do not talk to anyone. Do not talk to anyone on the bus. And being the obedient sister that I am, of course, I get on the bus and this guy wants to sit next to me. And I think there's no harm. Okay. He sits next to me and we're spending the whole trip together, you know, on the bus. I share my blanket with him and we get to Los Angeles in the morning and this guy's drawing me away from the bus and my brother's there and he's like, come on. And the guy's like, no, she's coming with me. And, and my brother's like, you know, who are you? Well, needless to say, you know, he was a pimp, you know, and that's what, that's basically what they do. Now we call it human trafficking. Now we have a yeah. name for that, Yeah, you know, that they, you know, these guys wait for girls, runaways on buses by the bus, you know, by the bus lines and all. And that's yeah. exactly what he did. You know, again, but for the grace of God, you know, uh, my brother told me, I told you not to talk to anyone. And, you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, my life was already in a place where I just compromised in so many areas that I think I started just losing my compass as to, to dangers, you know, your inner voice that tells you don't do something. I think I had compromised myself so much that I started just drowning out the voice that says, don't do this. This isn't good for you. So what was your parents' reaction to all of this? I mean, you running away to Los Angeles with your brother. How did that all play out? So my, my dad's heart was broken. I'm not going to say my mom's wasn't. I had a very volatile relationship with my mom, you know, um, because she was the stricter one of my parents. And so my dad was very broken hearted. And I don't know what all happened here. But during that time, I was with my brother. Um, you know, it, your life is not meant to be lived outside of the sanctity or the the security of your family you know and so I never really felt like you know my brother was my family family I knew I needed to be back here but I just couldn't bring myself back here I dropped out of high school in my senior year and then my sister-in-law is the one that convinced me to go ahead and let my parents know that I was safe and that I was in Los Angeles and so they did that they called my parents and they let them know I don't know what worked through my mom but she finally surrendered she I say surrendered because I wasn't <laughs> going to be the first so she said you know what why don't you come back why don't you come back and we'll just start new we'll just start fresh and so I thought okay this is my open door to return so I did that. I, I did tell her, she said, I want to put you back in school. And I told her, I don't want to go back to school, mom, if I can't graduate with my class. If I cannot graduate with my class, I'm going to drop. So she spoke to all the counselors. She moved heaven and earth and she had to pay so that I could get into night class, night classes. So I took classes during the day at Burgess and then I took classes during the night at Tech. And then when I would get home from Tech, I would get ready and go out with my friend Marty and party. Wow. Party with Marty. Yes. <laughs> when did you find time to, time to sleep? Exactly. <laughs> you know, so the bars would close here about one or two. And so we would get home. I would, I would shower, you know, and go to bed, get up in the morning and get, get the bus. I took the bus to school and get to school, get to school and do it all over again. Yeah. Monday through Thursday. And then Friday was just my free day to just party completely. I didn't have to worry about getting up for school. Yeah. So tell me about that one class that you were taking during this time. It was that cooking class, right? Yes. So since I was since I dropped out, I had all the cruddy selection of courses to take and they had an opening in a cooking class. 
And it's, that's not a class that I would have taken on my own, but I had no other, I had no other recourse. It was either take this class or miss the credit. So I ended up, I landed in this class, a cooking class, and we had a very sweet teacher. I say sweet teacher now, but her name was Miss Bell. I used to call her Miss Ding Dong because she was real <laughs> ditzy, very ditzy teacher. She was just sweet. I was the one that was probably had problems. And so I had a, t I, we all sat six to a table. And so I had, um, a variety of people in my table, different walks of life. And then there was other tables around us, you know, each of us had a, a cooking group. And then I would always stare at the window. I, it was after lunch. It was when I would come back from getting stoned. And so, you know, sometimes I would go for liquid lunch. You know, I wouldn't show up for some of the morning classes and I would go with my friends. We would actually go to Juarez real quick and get something to drink, you know, and then come back. So we would, we were back for after lunch. And one of the days, you know, I was just looking out the window and I could feel someone staring at me and I see this kid staring at me and I thought, okay, you know, who is this kid? I didn't think anything of it. Um, but this happened time and again. And finally I turned around really angry and I said, what do you want? And, and he right away got stunned and turned around. And so this happened a few times and I finally said, do I owe you something? What do you want? And this poor guy, you know, he, he, didn't want anything he was just staring at me <laughs> he was just <laughs> staring at your beauty yeah right <laughs> and so who was this kid this kid was was tony so, tony your husband now yes so tony was he's nine months uh, younger than me and it mattered when we were in high school but it doesn't matter now he doesn't mind saying that i'm older than him yeah. <laughs> that i robbed the cradle and so this this 16 year old kid was just staring at me and I thought you know because I look like what a freak you know the way I the way I went to school was I would always I was always in my concert shirts or my Harley Davidson shirts with my boot moccasins and I had roach clips in my hair <laughs> my with with feathers and so I thought you know he's probably mocking me he's probably thinking you know I'm looking crazy yeah but in fact it was that he was trying to talk to me he knew the people that were at my table but he would not talk to me because I was like a porcupine this is during a time that I just didn't like people, especially people that were in sports or people that people that were having fun. And I was not, I was miserable. I was an, a very miserable person. And so um, we ended up going to a party or meeting up at a party inadvertently. And it was actually somebody that's related to Norma Ibarra, the Morieles. Now, Celeste, Tony and I went to the same school for three years and we'd never even pass each other in the hall to see each other's face. I'd never seen Tony. Mm -hmm. I'd never seen him ever. So Tony was a big guy. He was a really big guy in high school. And he started saying, you know what, if I ever want to ask this girl out, I'm going to have to lose weight. And so that's exactly what he did. You know, he started running. His mom lived across from Burgess on Edgemere. He started t taking uh, diet pills and he lost all this weight. Mm -hmm. He finally got the nerve to ask me, you know, to to be his girlfriend. Yeah. What did you think when you actually saw him physically dif different? I saw him changing. You know, I, I saw him changing, but this was this was during the time that I was it, still involved in a in a in a horrible in a bad relationship. Mm -hmm. But I started weighing my options. I thought, okay, I could stay in this horrible relationship or I could start dating, give this guy a chance. He was very sweet. 
he was very nice he was very he was everything opposite of what this other guy was yeah and so i thought you know what i'm gonna take the chance and so on april 3rd of 1983 tony and i became officially boyfriend and girlfriend okay so we ended up graduating together of course he was my age <laughs> he was almost my age <laughs> and um sadly to say uh i ended up getting pregnant at age 17 but because of the relationship that i had my mom with my mom or lack of relationship that i had with my mom i thought oh she'll kill me if she finds out that i'm pregnant and so i ended up terminating that pregnancy you know and so um fast forward it a bit we i started i started volunteering at this place for the mental health and mental retardation and i ended up getting a job there i ended up landing a job there and lo and behold there were christians there there were pentecostals they were they the girl that i knew her dad had a pentecostal church spanish and i started they started witnessing to me at, at church at, at, at work and so I, it piqued my curiosity enough to go to her dad's church. She would always invite me, so I thought it would be rude not to go. So I ended up going. And so they readily accepted me, and thus I started going. I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed going, even though a lot was lost in the translation, because, you know, spiritual talk language is, is totally different than English or Spanish. You know, I didn't know a lot of the words, spiritual words. But I dragged Tony with me. He went with me, and um, a lot lo got lost in the translation. So Anthony, so Tony just dropped away. He just said, "You know what? I don't understand it. I don't understand a lot of the things, and I couldn't translate a lot of those things." So he kind of just stopped going. And it was during this time that I boldly got the courage to tell my mom and Tony and my family that I was going to change religions. I didn't know that Christianity was a faith. I thought it was a religion but God gave me the boldness. It was the Holy Spirit that had drawn me and gave me courage to just say one day, that's it, I'm going to tell him today. I went into my mom's house and I told her, I'm going to change religions. And as you can imagine, all hell literally broke loose in my house. And I turned around and I looked at Tony and I said, I'm going to be a Christian with or without you. And I ran to my room, shut the door and just, I was scared. I told God, you know what, you're going to have to show me if this is the right thing i knew that it was but i needed his his boldness to continue on that path and so i continue to work for the mhmr my mom and i our relationship continued to deteriorate to the place where she she did the one last time either my rules or the highway you know and so i chose to leave i had i got an apartment and tony shortly followed and he stayed with me he was living with me and as I was working with these girls, these Christians at my work, um, they would ask me, why don't you and Tony get married? And I would tell them, why? You know, we've been together for almost two years. You know, marriage is just a piece of paper. You know, why ruin a good thing? You know, I hear that, you know, marriages break up after, you know, you have a good relationship, a good friendship with your husband, your spouse, your boyfriend, and then you get married and it ruins it all. So I said, no. And then... The quote was quoted to me, and this was the game changer. There was nothing spiritual about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she told me, well, yeah, she tells me, 
why buy the cow if you can get the milk for free? And so <laughs> there was nothing spiritual about it, but it really hit home. Yeah. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> and so I got on the phone right away. He was working for El Paso Natural Gas. And I called him up and I told him, hey, you know what? You either put a ring in my finger on my finger or you need to move out of my apartment. And he told me, Marina, I'd been asking you to marry me. It was myself that was telling him no. And I said, okay, we'll just have something quick, fast and easy. And just so that we are living right. And so that was the first steps that I started to take towards my salvation. Just the convictions that God was putting in our hearts. And so we ended up getting married. But we were still living in the world. We still had worldly friends, you know. And so um, we were still being not we were still in the world but yet god was already doing a work in both of our our lives i ended up going to the door through an invitation of a friend because my i wasn't going to church with tony anymore he wasn't coming with me anymore and i didn't feel like i was getting fed and so i started to i went to the door and the first thing that met me you know was was that again the song service you know, we have amazing song services here that I do not take for granted. I love our song services and they were, they were wonderful then and they're wonderful now. And so that's what, that's what really touched my heart that day. I was encouraged that day. I don't even remember what they preached, but I just felt like I was home. I literally felt this is, this is where I need to be. And so Karen approached me, Carol Cannon, which was Carol Humphrey. She approached me. And so I went home just into my apartment my little basement apartment just just really filled my heart was just full and when I got into my apartment my heart was emptied <laughs> Tony was already drunk it was in the morning you know the afternoon he was already drunk and very angry because I wasn't there I guess because because I wasn't there I was paying attention to him he said you're just going to that church because you're meeting up with somebody yada yada and I said you know what I do go see somebody and if you want to know who it is, you'll come and you'll see him for yourself. And so of course I was talking about Jesus. And so, so he was still angry at when I would go, what he would do is he would drive around the church in his car. And one time an usher, they used to have ushers outside, an usher approached him and asked him if he wanted to get down and he told them off. I forgot, he'll, he'll tell you which brother it was, but he told them off. But that's what he would do is he would go around to make sure that my car was really there, that I wasn't out somewhere else, you know. And so surely, uh, so, so one day we were at my mom's house. They were, she was having her house built out in Clint and my sister was there. And I said, come on, let's go to church. And he said, you already went to church. I said, yeah, but I want you guys to go to church. They have something called revival. They have a visitor that's going to that's gonna preach tonight. And he said, no, you already went to church. I said, no, I want you to go to church. And he's like, oh, come on, we'll just go, we'll just go another day. They were going to have a revival that week. So I said, no, let's go today. And he said, come on, we had already started drinking, you know, we had already, he was already, you know, getting buzzed. And so I said, no, we have to go to church. And I said, I'm going to take Yvette. So my sister went with me, with us. We were in a 280Z, the two-seater. When we got in, um, there was three of us packed into that little car. My sister had her hand hanging out, trying to, trying to get a good grip on her seat. And she closed the door on her fingers. Oh. So he said, you see, we shouldn't go. And I said, oh, no, <laughs> we're going. I got her some ice and we got in the car and we left. Now there was a freak storm here in El Paso okay when does this happen of course yeah so we're by Austin High 
and they have some dips and grooves and we were in his little car and then all of a sudden when we went it was pouring so much it was flooded the water started to come in in the car and he said you see that's god he's telling us not to go and i said look at all the signs right <laughs> i said oh no you call your dad and you tell him to bring us his car and we'll take him home and we're gonna go to church so we ended up going to church it was a harry hills revival that night tony and my sister both gave their lives to jesus and not wow. only that my sister went up for prayer she has she had scoliosis and carol cannon was sitting in the front and she said she saw when her back literally straightened up uh from her scoliosis so my sister ended up getting getting healed wow thank god that you were persistent yes. during that time because they ended up both getting saved yes what so, a miracle so we ended up we ended up okay getting saved we ended up getting that piece of paper called marriage <laughs> We had a, a small little wedding with our friends. You know, we we're supposed to go out and party afterwards, you know, um, but we didn't. You know that we had champagne, but I didn't drink it. I, I God was already doing a work in my life that I was already feeling those convictions, you know. Yeah. Um, so I spit it back into the glass. It was just for the toast that we had. And then that night we went back to our apartment and we just crushed out. We were supposed to meet our friends at one of the bars to party and we, you know, the the fun was, was taken out of, you know, having a, a, a proper wedding, how it's yeah. supposed to be done, because we were already shacking up. We were already living together. So yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. So I, we ended up getting that piece of paper. Before that, I had already told Tony, I'll marry you, but I'm not changing my last name. But God changed that. So you all know my last name is <laughs> not Morales, it's Arroyo. And then I said, also, I had a lot of requisites here. I said, I'm going to marry you, but I'm not going to have any kids. You know, he comes from a big family. And I said, I hate kids. <laughs> so four kids down the road. <laughs> I ended up having children, which I love dearly. And thus, our life began. The Lord started doing an accelerated work in our lives. Um, during that time, though, there was a time that my husband did back off that's part of his testimony that i won't i won't begrudge you with he he can he can share it with you he ended up getting into a job that was taking him from serving him diligently and so um he was away from the lord for four to five years but wow. i continued to go to church with my girls a lot of the times you know i felt like a single a single mom you yeah. know what i mean because it was just me and my girls you know tony would go some of the times but you know you don't have to you don't have to be um, in the world to be backslidden. You could be in the church and be backslidden. Yeah. And that's exactly where he was. So I continued to serve God. And, and I believe that the Lord honored that because he came back. He came mm -hmm. back to serve God and just strong, stronger. Um, like I said, the Lord started doing After that, the Lord really upped it for us. Uh, we got announced to go to Houston to pastor, to have the, the privilege, literally to have the privilege to pastor in Houston for 15 years. Wow. A place that I did not want to go. I said, I'll follow you anywhere. Just please don't take me to Houston. And that's where we were. <laughs> he says, yeah, yeah, I've heard it all before. Yes. <laughs> I loved, I, and I, that's my, a big chunk of my heart is in Houston. Oh. Know? I love Houston. My, all my children are in Houston. My grandchildren are. And so... God started dealing with our hearts about the mission field. And so 
two years before we made the decision to go to China, God was already dealing with me. We had little Raina. My Tammy had Raina. And one day, um, the Lord was just challenging me. It was actually through a Sunday school that I can't remember what Sunday school it was that we had. We had a video and this, this, he was saying, he was talking about our desires, the things that we want and the things that the Lord wants, you know? And so what drive is going to be stronger, what God wants for your life or what you want for your life. And so I went into the office and I told Tony, did you hear what he said? Is God telling, is God speaking to you? Like God speaking to me? I mean, like the Holy Spirit was on my lap in my ear. And I thought, surely everybody around me can hear this. But I mean, it was just, that was meant for my conviction. After that, we had a um, Jeremiah Wacker came and gave me a word. And he said, I don't know what all of this means. And then he gives me this word that I know that it was the Holy Spirit just speaking to me again mm-hmm. about, about leaving. And then just one day during prayer, the Lord said, do you love me more than these? And it was my children. and my grandchild and I said you know father you know my heart I said that if Tony was to come back and serve you that I will do anything for you I will go anywhere for you and that still stands and so I said yes I love you more than these our family dynamics are very close I'm very very we have a very good relationship with our children and I I believe the same goes vice versa I think yeah (laughs) it was going to be really hard to tell them you know what I mean for them to hear the announcement Mm -hmm. you know so my children knew they had a feeling they could feel it you know they saw us both leave twice and so they thought no something's up yeah so they figured somewhere not so far Tammy said I figured it was going to be somewhere but not not China so when they announced us that was it you know we were in for the long haul and so we find ourselves in Shanghai we've met wonderful people um we have um we had a translator actually the first two years were very rough celeste to say that we were having a great time would be yes but to say we're having a spiritual time i have to say no (laughs) when we came back for our furlough i didn't even want tony to testify because it was just rough establishing an underground church is very very hard because a lot of people don't know who god is yeah they don't know who's 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 god and or a lot of people don't want to know who god is because their god is their money yeah and their education but when we returned from furlough we left anthony here with uh with his sisters we returned and the lord turned everything around actually we were very encouraged while we were here during our furlough during the seminars and the services god just really got a a hold of our hearts and we went back expecting for god to move and he did he did he established a beautiful church which we are still tony is still pastoring through webex of course uh we have services on saturday at nine o'clock depending on daylight savings and then again at one o'clock in the morning and then uh wednesday service we have it at five in the morning and these are beautiful people that we minister to all the time through our wechat you know he ministers to them he counsels them of course you can't build disciples through the web we are believing and trusting that god will get us back into china but we want his will nevertheless his will yeah i mean just talking about your whole testimony this whole time i'm amazed at 
God's hand on your life. It's amazing when you actually sit down and go into detail of someone's testimony. Then you realize how many times God had intervened on your life. And to see you now that your true desires, you know, are to be a missionary and just to do God's will is is amazing. And I am so appreciative of you taking the time you know you mentioned that you are you guys are still pastoring the Chinese church and so I know you have a busy schedule along with still attending our church here in the US and so I appreciate you taking the time your faithfulness throughout the years I've known you since literally I was born and uh, I just admire your faithfulness so thank you so much for taking the time to be here yeah, thank you for the opportunity and what a blessing our church has been, our mother church and pastor's grace. You know, he's been so gracious with us and reconnecting with all the women. You know, like you said, you were a little girl. You know, you were a baby when I met you. And now you're a, you're a beautiful young you know, wife and mother, you know. And so being able to come back and pastor just giving us a liberty to be able to minister and just to, to reconnect to the people of God. What a blessing. It's, it's been an amazing yeah. blessing. Thank you so much. Thank you.